Welcome to Grace. So glad you guys are here. Welcome those of you online. And we really have a special treat here uh, today. Those of you guys that were at our uh, cookout yesterday, yesterday evening, just had a great time. I know we had, uh, I think, two, between 220, 250 guys over there. And uh, we had a special treat of having Tino Walinda uh, speak to us. Now, many of us grew up hearing about the Flying Walindas, and uh, there's actually eight generations of them now. In the sixth generation, Tino Walinda is going to be speaking to us today. And I tell you what, he's going to share a little bit about his story, so I just want to invite him up. So give Tino a big hand as he comes up here and share. Thank you very much for that uh, welcome and that applause. You know, applause like that and what has motivated my family, the Walendas, to remain in the circus now for nearly 200 years. As you heard, we're into the eighth generation of performing, and during that period of time, we've done everything you can imagine in the circus. We've been acrobats. We've been jugglers. We've been clowns. We've performed on galloping horses, trained wild animals, and even flown on the flying trapeze. But for nearly 100 years, we've been best known for one thing in particular. That's walking a slender strand, a tightrope, usually at a height of 25 to 30 feet in the air. On that, we stand on our heads, ride bicycles, and do pyramids with as many as seven, eight, and our Guinness Book of World Records of 10 people in one three-level pyramid. <clears throat> to give you a little better idea of what our family's involved in, I've got a short video clip that I'd like to show you from a performance that we did back in 1998. And if you could run that right now, that'd be great. Ladies and gentlemen, and children of all ages, come to the circus for the spectacle, the animals, and especially the thrills. And for the last 70 years, few acts have provided as many thrills as this one. The most celebrated name in show business, the Flying but 36 years ago, here in this very same arena, the State Fair Coliseum in Detroit, the Walendas suffered their greatest tragedy. While performing the dangerous seven-person pyramid 25 feet above the ground without a net, one of the acrobats lost his footing. The pyramid crumbled. Three of the men fell to the ground. Two died, and one was paralyzed. The troop has performed the pyramid just two times since, but not in the last 21 years, and not in Detroit. At a preview performance for the media and guests Thursday night, the Walendas attempted the pyramid once again, but not before a promise. My children will show you they will finish what we started to do the last time we were in Detroit. And a prayer. Amen. They slowly built the pyramid and moved ever so deliberately across the high wire. As they safely reached the other side, the relief was evident, not only from the family, but from the small group of people allowed to view the preview. As they left the arena, the Walendas shared the emotion of the moment. But the pressure is only starting. Friday night, the family will attempt the pyramid before the public in the same arena where the stunt ended so tragically 36 years ago. and is scheduled to try it a total of 38 times during the 17-day run of the Shrine Circus here. But it's something the family says it has to do. There'll be no grounding of the flying Walenders. Ed Garston, CNN, Detroit. 
And we did continue to do it those 38 or 39 times. That was back in 1998. But we can continue to do it right through 2016. So that's a number of years. In fact, we did it more years uh, after the fact than my family originally did it from 1948 until 1962. And, of course, uh, I'm the sixth generation, but there is a seventh generation. In that picture that you, or the video that you saw, was two of my daughters and my son, who were both actively involved in doing that seven-person pyramid. Not only that, but then there's an eighth generation, because I have a granddaughter and two grandsons who have been performing on the wire with us. I've got a picture that I want to show you right now taken just about a year and a half ago. That's myself, my youngest daughter Aurelia on my shoulders, and at that point, my one-and-a-half-year-old grandson, Marcus, who, of course, belongs to Aurelia. Now, I'm just a little bit concerned, Sound, uh, because when I get up here, I got a little bit of a uh, feedback, and I'm going to be getting up here right in front of those speakers. So I don't know, you might want to... If there's a way to limit those, kill them, or whatever you need to do, because I'm going to be coming down right now. My family's been involved and uh, done a number of very incredible things in our career. I've done some rather unusual ones myself. Things like walking uh, over dens full of lions, cages full of tigers. About 30 years ago, down in Miami, Florida, I had a wire that was set up over a swimming pool that was filled with over 50 man-eating sharks. I've walked between buildings, over rivers, and even over waterfalls. The longest walk I've done to date was in the land of Korea, where we had a cable stretched over the Han River in downtown Seoul. The height of that was only about uh, 70 or 80 feet in the air, but the distance, yes ma'am, that wasn't really very high. <laughs> the distance was the more remarkable thing, because it was a distance of one kilometer in length. That is 3,300 feet, six-tenths of a mile. If you were to put 11 football fields end-to-end, that would give you a little idea of how far across that happened to be. The highest walk I've ever done was in Denver, Colorado, where I had a cable stretched uh, between a crane and the DNF Tower in downtown Denver. That distance was only 320 feet across, just a little more than a football field, but the height was 179 feet in the air, roughly the height of an 18-story building. Well, I'm sure you're wondering what this ugly piece of junk is that's here in the middle of your sanctuary. Well, the thing is that the last night we were able to put a wire up in the gym, and I was able to demonstrate what I could do on a tightrope. We couldn't have that up in this particular uh, area, because it would have been a little bit too difficult. But this vehicle will allow me to give you a little bit of a demonstration of what I can do on the tightrope. Because you see, although I've done all these things, it all started for me when I was only seven years old. <laughs> That's when my grandfather, Carl Walenda, who is the best-known tightrope walker of modern times, put me on a wire for the first time. It wasn't as high even as this, about the height of a regular kitchen table. But on that wire, 
He taught me the elementary skills of tightrope walking, things like how to hold that balancing pole, how to place my feet on the wire. But the most important thing I learned about maintaining my balance on a tightrope was that I needed to focus on an unmoving point at the far end of the wire, which in this case happens to be where these three pipes meet. That is how a tightrope walker maintains his balance, focusing on that point. But you see, I've been walking a wire over 60 years. With that time and experience, I do have the ability to look around to talk to you face to face. But invariably, if I begin to lose my balance for any reason whatsoever, my vision will instinctively and immediately return to that point so that I can regain my balance. Once this all becomes pretty much second nature, in other words, I can do it without much thought, then, and only then, did my grandfather allow me to take my first few steps. After that, you learn some simple little things like what we would call a salute. Another thing that you would learn early on would be a knee-down salute. But I learned early on that I really couldn't make a living take care of my family, pay my bills, by simply walking back and forth and doing some simple little stunts. So I really had to put myself into my craft to train, to rehearse, countless hours, so I could move up to doing some bigger and better things. Things like standing on my head. You know, the older I get, <laughs> the more stars I see when I do that. <laughs> I've also learned as time goes by that every once in a while, because of my getting older, that I'm out of breath a lot. And you might be hearing that through this microphone here. So I realize that every once in a while, I take, yeah, take a moment, sit down and catch my breath. So I'm going to attempt to do that right now is, by the way, this is uh, J. Rob Smith over here. J. Rob has uh, been a friend of mine for 15 or 20 years. No way do you have to listen to what he does. He drives the uh, van around, or trailer as well, for, uh, used to be Champions for Life. Now uh, they've renamed it Behind the Walls in the prisons. He drives the van around, but not only that, is he's been always there helping me set up my equipment. That's J. Rob Smith. So now that I'm situated, I think I'm just going to kick back and chill for a few minutes like the rest of you. But while I'm doing that, let me tell you how that little lesson that I learned about focusing on that point has been invaluable to me through the years. You see, as a tightrope walker, Imagine, you can imagine, I've had lots and lots of close calls. Well, I never actually had a fall when I've fallen from the wire to the ground. But I can tell you that I've fallen many, many times to the wire itself. And there's something that always holds true every time I've had one of those falls. It always hurts. <laughs> I can tell you about sprained wrists, sprained ankles, Fallen on my side at least a half a dozen times on that wire, and it's hard and unforgiving, and cracked my ribs. 
That really, really, really hurts. But you see, my grandfather, Carl Walenda, well, he was a man who followed an adage from the circus that I'm sure you've heard many times, <clears throat> which simply says, the show must go on. God bless you. Now, to some of you, the show must go on could be words that you can just easily spit out of your mouth. To me, they have a whole lot more meaning because they're not really talking about a performance or an act. They're talking about life itself. And life has a habit of just kind of unfurling and continuing on. So, you know, uh, I might be hanging there by my fingertips in severe pain. And it might be easiest just to let go. But I'm sure you'd probably agree with me that'd be the most foolish thing that I could do. See, the only thing that makes any sense when I'm in a situation of desperation like that is to get myself back up on that tightrope, get focused on that point, and continue on. Now, see, that's a lesson in life itself. And boys and girls in the audience, pay particular attention to this. Because if you're focusing on a goal in life, if you'll persevere, if you won't give up, if you just keep plugging, you can accomplish absolutely the impossible things in life, just as the Wallenders have done over and over and over again. And by the way, I need to tell you that I've pretty much been walking the straight and narrow all my life for one reason in particular. Because for most of my life, my primary focus has been on Jesus Christ. And there's a reason for that, too. As a Wallenda, and I see a lot of gray and white heads out there, so you, you know who the Wallendas were and still are. Some of you never heard of the Wallendas before. See, we came to the United States in 1928 to Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Circus. We were their featured attraction for many, many years. In fact, opening night at Madison Square Garden, there was a uh, applause an ovation for 15 minutes without stop for the Walenda, something that's never happened before and, um, to my knowledge, has never happened since. And it's because of the incredible feats that the Walendas did. But along the way, there were some mishaps. Take, for instance, what you just saw in that video in 1962 as they were performing our seven-person pyramid. The man in the front who was the newest member, because my family had been doing this trick for over 16 years. Of course, in that course of time, uh, newer family members arrived and became part of it. And so this was his very first event, although he'd already performed two shows, three shows actually, two the day before and one the, uh, the afternoon of, the, of this night. But that night, for some reason or another, as he was nearing the platform, no further away than I am from this young lady sitting right in front of me in the seats. He shouted out, Ich kann nicht mehr halten. He threw his balancing pole, grabbed for the wire, and as he did, the entire pyramid weight fell upon his back, throwing him to the ground 35 feet below. The second man in line was my Uncle Mario, and of course, as things started falling on him, and as the weight also shifted to him, he was not able to keep his balance. He fell to the other side. The third one, another family member, the force was so great as he went to the wire that his balancing pole literally split in half, spinning him around, throwing him to the ground. There was only one man left standing, my Uncle Gunther, all the way at the back. 
On the top level in the front was my grandfather. Behind him was, and if you have that poster, if you could put that up, it might already be up, so you get a kind of a vision of what this is. The man in the back on the second level was my uh, grandfather's brother. Well, of course, they came down to the wire. My grandfather somehow or another managed to grab a hold, and the girl who was all the way seated on the chair at the top, she came crashing down on his back. Miraculously, he was able to hold on to her until they could get a makeshift net in the center ring below, which was nothing more than a canvas mat that was laying, covering the ring. As she hit, they couldn't hold it, and she suffered a severe concussion from her landing. My grandfather, because he caught the girl, cracked pelvis, double hernia. The three men that fell to the ground, of course, as you saw, didn't fare as well because two of them died that night. The third one was my Uncle Mario, and they really didn't have any hope of him surviving, although he did. Unfortunately, he was paralyzed from the waist down for the rest of his life. Well, what do you do with the show must go on in a situation like that? My grandfather, the patriarch of the family, patriarch of the troop, head of the team, the one who put each person in their place, the one who gave the approval that Dieter, who was in the front, would be able to maintain that uh, delicate position. He must have been very stressed out. Cracked pelvis, double hernia. My mother walked up to him and called him a murderer to his face. What did he do with the show must go on? His own son in a hospital room not far from where he was laying on the verge of death as far as he knew. Well, my grandfather the very next morning forced the doctors to release him. And that afternoon at 1.30, he was in costume and up on the wire performing for his audience. Why? Not for any glory to himself, but because, you see, the show does go on. Life does continue. The show must go on. What about my Uncle Mario? You know, there's a great story there, too, because after he went through all the operations and the recovery in Detroit and finally ended up at our home in Sarasota, Florida, <clears throat> one of the first things he did was go to my grandfather and say, Dad, I want to be back on that wire again. Well, my grandfather was a fellow who did the impossible every day of his life. But he couldn't figure out how this would work, and he said, I'm sorry, my son, I can never put you on that wire again, not without the use of your legs. But listen to what happened just about, uh, well, eight or ten years ago. We stretched the cable across the Chicago River in downtown Chicago. It was probably about 60, 70 feet in the air, <clears throat> stretched some 400 feet across the river. We came up with a contraption that was a little bit like this, except it had a wheel in the front, a wheel in the back of the chair, and a motor on the inside. And that very morning, after over 40-some years of not seeing his dreams fulfilled, my uncle was seated on that chair with his balancing pole in his hand, riding back and forth across the Chicago River. You see, never give up your hopes. Never give up your dreams. Always keep your focus. The show must go on. Unfortunately, there are other tragedies in our family, but the one that probably hit us the hardest was in 1978, as my grandfather was walking between two buildings in San Juan, Puerto Rico. 
And because of the way the equipment was set up, he wasn't able to maintain his balance. And he fell 120 feet to his death. So you see, as it will end, I realize how fragile life is, that we're truly nothing more than a vapor. And listen, folks, it doesn't take anything more than one little bitty old... <coughs> it doesn't take anything more than one little slip. And you enter into that reality that with life we have to face death and eternity. And I realize, folks, that one day I'm going to make that final faithful slip. Now, I don't expect to be in front of you this, this morning. In fact, I don't expect it to be on a tightrope at all. But one day, whether by sickness, disease, or some form of an accident, I'm going to make that final slip. And in the next instant, I'm going to stand before my Creator, and I'm going to have to give an account of myself for everything I've done in my life, whether it was good or bad. And as I look back at my life, I see that I've made lots and lots of mistakes. Also know that God calls my mistakes by another name. God calls my mistakes sin. Now, that simply means I don't live up to his standards or his expectations because he's completely perfect. He can't do anything wrong. See, I'm the opposite. I can hardly do anything right. And for that reason, I can never hope to live with him in eternity. But here's the greatest news that I ever heard. That there was a man who came to the earth from heaven who was completely 100% God. And he was also completely 100% man. He was willing to allow evil men to beat him, torture him, and then to kill him. Why would he do such a thing? Because he saw my predicament. He saw I could not work my way to heaven in any way, shape, or form. So he was willing to take my place. That if I would simply confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, and if I would believe in my heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, I don't have to think about or hope for, because I can know completely that I have a place in eternity in heaven. As I'm basically standing here between life and death, as it were, if something were to happen to me, I sure wouldn't like the way it went, but I have no concern of where I'm going to spend eternity. The question that you might have in your heart right now and in your mind is if today were the last day of your life, where will you spend eternity? Will it be in heaven or will it be in hell? See, that's a choice that I can't make for you. It's a choice that the fine pastor here, Pastor Hutchison, any of the other pastors, they can't make for you. Doesn't matter who your family is. Doesn't matter what church you might belong to, if it's not this one, or if you don't belong to a church at all. The bottom line is it doesn't even matter if you're good or bad. All that counts is what will you do with Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, don't allow your heart to grow hard. I had a pretty hard heart back in my youth. And you know, I saw these books out there. I saw the Bible, the Koran, Book of Mormon, all these spiritual books, and they all kind of had one common denominator. They all talked about being a good person. So I thought, you know what? I need to learn how to be a good person so I can make points with God. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. Because if I've missed in one place, 
I'm not sure what to say if that was for the performance or if that was for what I was talking about. <laughs> but you see, if I've blown it anywhere, I've completely blown it. I don't need to learn how to be a good person. What I need is a savior. And the only one that ever cared for me enough to give himself, to give his life, was Jesus Christ. Again, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, don't allow your hearts to grow hard. I appreciate the applause. I appreciate the quiet. But sometimes it gets a little bit very, very serious. It seems like it is at that point. So um, maybe what we should do is lighten it up a little bit. Whenever I do this kind of a demonstration, there's always somebody in the audience that thinks, it's not that impressive. I could do that. And there's always somebody in the audience, at least one or two or three or 10 or 20, who think, I'd like to give that a try. So what I'm going to do right now is I need to look for, and you know what? I was talking to somebody last night about volunteering. And he volunteered Pastor Hutchison. No, but, but wait, 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 wait. Here's the thing. I told him to his face. Generally, when I hear somebody volunteering somebody else, you know, they talk about when you point your finger in one direction, you have three fingers pointing back at yourself. So I understand that Joe is in the audience here this morning. And I'm going to ask Joe to come forward. Joe, I've got some, a I got a volunteer status for you. Come on down, Joe. Come on. Come on, Joe. Where are you? Here he comes. Joe, you're walking pretty slowly there. Do you have your cowboy boots on? Oh, that'll be, that'll be, that'll be, that'll be perfect. Joe, come on. No, you're not going to go up there. Come on, Joe. I need you to come over here. Follow me up on the stage. Joe, I can't let you go up there because you, you would kill yourself. You're right. But what I do have is I have a much smaller version over here that uh, J-Rub's bringing out. And J-Rub, just put that down right about as close as you can over this way. And you know what we need to do? We need to move this out of the way. If we can, do we have the manpower to get that moved? That would be great. We'll bring it back in the corner there. Now, Joe, you have never walked a tightrope before, have you? I have not. Okay. That's a good thing. I'm glad. Uh, Joe, when you get up here, you have to promise me. I can't believe can you save that gummit in church? <laughs> I thought that... I thought that was okay. against the rules. I thought that was against the rules. Right. Joe, when you get up here, stand back just a little bit, Joe. When you get up here, when you get up here, you have to promise me that you don't do any kind of like dance, fancy dance moves or any kind of like jumps or anything like that, Joe, okay? Because when we get done this morning, I want everybody to know or at least believe that I am the valid the real tightrope walker. I believe, okay. brother. I believe. I believe. <laughs> Joe, it doesn't work that way. Not in tightrope walking. Can I use the bar? 
No, because the bar is more difficult than without the bar. But Joe, what I'm going to do is I'm going to stand off to the side here with my hand extended. Uh -huh. If you need a little help, you're welcome to get a hold of my hand or maybe touch my arm or touch a finger or whatever to help you with your balance. And with yeah, those boots, it's going to be a little difficult I anyway. So, I don't know if you want to take those off, but you can give it a try. Let me just... Maybe, yeah, that's a good idea. Why, yeah, why don't you hear? You know what? I'll make it real comfortable for you. you can, oh, okay, you got it. Very good. That's much better. Okay, Joe. So, no, you want to do the chair right away? No, no, no Joe. No, no. <laughs> you want to... This side is better for Joe. Okay. Now, I got my arms extended, Joe, right? Here, just kind of help me up. Brother. Right, right. Here we go. Up, up. All right, give me your hand, Joe. Give me your hand. Oh, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> I, I got to walk? Is that what well, the idea is to make it from one end to the other. Okay, focus on that point. Right yeah, there. focus there. <laughs> You're getting smarter, Joe. You're grabbing me instead of pulling away. I am. Okay. Just your thumbs, all I need right there. My thumb, there you go. There's the thumb. You're slow going here, Joe. Do a headstand, right. I'm in. Wait a minute, Joe, before you put your boots on. Do you folks think that Joe really made it all the way across there? No, no he didn't. He was holding on to my thumb the whole time. I, last In step fact, I wasn't. Uh, last step, you weren't. That's right. Joe, would you like to know how you could make it across? Don't put your boots on yet. Don't make it across here without absolutely any effort at all. Yes, I would. So, would you say from what you've seen me do, from the video, and from what... Uh, I've talked about myself that I'm probably a pretty good tightrope walker. I would imagine, yes. I, 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 Joe says yes. I believe, I believe. Uh, would you say that maybe I'm a master of the tightrope? Yes, I would. Okay, so if somehow I was able to magically, I don't know, maybe, well, you say that gum, you can certainly say magic in a, in a church. <laughs> yeah, I could, if I could magically give you all my talents and abilities, you'd be able to do anything I've ever done in my career, right? If you could magically do that? If you could have all my talents and abilities. You could do those walks over the river, over in Denver, 180. With your talent and ability. Yes, if you had it all was intact. Yeah, I think I'm right. Yes, you could. Okay, um, unfortunately, Joe, I cannot give you my, loan you my talents and abilities. But I, actually, I can loan them to you on a temporary basis. And let me show you how we do that. I need you to get over here, Joe. Step up on this chair. And face the, face this way. Now... What we're going to do is, I didn't give you the pole before because, like I said, using the pole is very tricky. In fact, it's harder than doing it without because you have to learn the technique. But what I am going to do, Joe, is I am going to take the pole in my hands, and I'm going to get up on this pipe, and I am going to become your balance. I want you to put your hands on my shoulders. Now, this is what you have to remember, Joe. You can press down as hard as you want. Okay. You can be as light as you want. Yeah. The secret is, the more you trust in me for your balance, the easier this is going to be. The more you try to trust and balance for yourself, the more difficult. Also, the closer you can stay to me, 
the easier it's going to be. You got all that, Joe? I'm with you, brother. Okay. I'm going to take a step. On, yeah, on. go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Get on? Yep, okay. get on. Can you get both feet on or just one? Okay, yeah. I'm, whoa, whoa. I'm good. All right. Now, Joe, we're going to do something a little more difficult. We're going to take a couple of steps. All right. Here's one. Okay, I'm one. Okay. Oh, hello. Hang on. Here's number two. Trust in me. I trust you, brother. I trust you. I'm with you. I ain't going nowhere. Joe, you're pretty boastful. You know that. I'm not boastful. I'm, I'm hanging on to you. I'm bragging in you. Well, the reason... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold it there. Hold it there. The reason I say you're boastful, Joe, is you are trusting in with me. We made it all the way from one end of the wire to the other. Yeah. But, but. I can tell you're not trusting me 100% by the way you're wiggling around back there. I am wiggling around. Whoa, whoa. Okay. So go ahead and step down, Joe. Step down, thank you. Yep. Okay. Now, Joe... Go ahead and sit down there and get your boots back on. And I'm going to have one final question to ask you. Here, let me give you this chair. All right. Here you go. That chair's been through it. It's been through a lot. It's been through hundreds of prisons and uh, countries and all kinds of things. Now we have a little bit of small, small chat going on here. But, uh, Joe, the, the question that I need to ask you is, was it easier for you to try to do it on your own or when you were trusting in me? When I was trusting in you. Very good. Well, Joe, yes, thank you very much. And I'm going to ask you to head back to your seat. And gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, give him Joe a great big hand. You see, there's a very interesting analogy here because uh, really the, the, way that, the reason that Joe couldn't make it is not so much that he doesn't have the training. But you see, he was trying to do things his own way. Now, I can't fault Joe for that because I'm pretty much the same way. I like to do things my own way as well. How about the rest of you? The problem is when I try to do things my own way, usually ends up in a big disaster. But you see, I've learned that when I can trust in the master of life to take me across, the way that Joe trusted in the master of the tightrope. And of course, the master of life is Jesus Christ. When I can trust him to take me across, he does give me the ability. You know what? Sometimes I'm a little shaky back there. Sometimes there's some gaps. Sometimes I'm even wondering if he's there. But in those times, as I look back on him, he is usually the one that is actually carrying me across. Now, I've had guys up here... Uh, that they just, you know, of course, they, some of them made it, but it's only five or six feet long. Nothing like walking on a tightrope 200 feet in the air. One fella, I gave him my hand, and he had to make it like that, and I asked him at the end, do you think it was easier to try on your own or uh, trusting in me? And he said, trusting in you. But I'd rather do it myself. Well, you know, most of us are like that too. We'd rather do it ourselves. Now, um, as you saw and as I said, I've got four kids, um, three daughters and a son. And they, of course, have all walked the tightrope professionally as an occupation. Now, do you think that the very first time when I sent them up there, I uh, put a balancing pole in their hand and I said, go for it? No, that's not the way it works. To get them acclimated to the height, to 
take, for instance, my oldest daughter, who was eight years old at the time when we first did it. We climbed up to the platform 30 feet in the air. She wrapped her legs, sat on my shoulders, wrapped her legs around my back tightly. Got a good grip. <laughs> I picked up my pole, walked out to the center of the wire, did that little salute you saw me do a little while ago. She let go of my hair, raised her hands like this, and there was tremendous applause from the audience. I put my foot back down. She got a grip again. <laughs> we continue on to the other platform. As we arrived, of course, the audience exploded with applause. Come down to the center ring, take a big bow, and uh, of course, she was the hit of the night. And as we were going out of the circus tent, a fellow walked up and said, young lady, that's a very brave thing you did. And she said, thank you, sir. And he said, but I do have one question for you. Weren't you afraid? She said, no, sir, I wasn't afraid in the least. He said, why is that? She said, that's because that's my daddy taking me across. Yeah. See, there's something about the trust between a dad and his little child that you can do incredible things. And let me remind you that we have a Father in heaven that cares for us, that loves us so much more than we could even love our own children, who has a direction for our lives if we'll just allow him to lead us. I've got another friend that uh, he's a pastor. He was a pastor in Illinois years ago. He's, he's still a pastor. In fact, I'm going to Uganda with him in, a, in about three weeks. So is uh, J-Rob. We're going to have a big outdoor crusade over there and a, a leadership conference. And he always wanted to get up on that wire and cross the way that Joe did, but not on a pipe on the ground, on the wire 30 feet in the air. So I said, uh, his name is Love, Larry Love. Isn't that a great name for a pastor? I said, Larry, you trust me? Yes, I trust you. You're really going to have to trust me up there, Larry. I know that. I trust you. I know what you can do. I've seen you do this before because he'd seen me carry people across on my shoulders and also walking behind me, holding on to my shoulders. I said, okay, Larry, if you think you're ready, we'll go up and do this. He says, I have confidence in you. I know you can do it. We get up there on the wire, 30 feet in the air. Okay, Larry, put your hands on my shoulders. Okay, Larry, you got to trust in me. Are you ready, Larry? Larry says, yes. I said, okay. Larry, I'm going to take my first step. I take a step. Larry goes like this. <laughs> Larry, um, you're supposed to follow me out on this. Okay, Larry, I'm going to take another step. Second step. Larry goes like this. <laughs> um, Larry, um, you, are, uh, you want to go across, don't you? Sure. And I trust you. I know you can do it. I've seen you do it before. I know, it's, it's, I know you can do it. Okay, Larry, I'm going to take one more step. Uh, Larry, uh, this is the point of no return. You have to follow me now. Otherwise, you're going to go down. I take the next step. Larry goes like this. Now, the interesting thing is, Larry wanted to do this over and over. I didn't do it once with him. Probably four or five times we went up on the wire, and Larry backed off. 
Now, um, that's another interesting analogy there, you see. Because sometimes we say all the right things. Well, like Joe, he was professing, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I trust you. Dad gum, that's a lot of baloney. <laughs> if I took Joe up on a real wire, he'd really freak out. But you see, Joe is smart. The, the Bible says it's better to trust in God than to trust in man. And Larry was smart too because he trusted in God. And, and let me tell you what, the Larry's the guy that, uh, I don't know anybody who's more faithful, who, more, uh, who, who trusts God more than anybody else. But he doesn't trust this guy because it is more important to trust God than to trust man. But I just wonder what state you might be in this morning. Jesus said that we were to pick up our cross and follow him. A lot of us don't really get that, I don't think. That word cross is very interesting. I looked it up. I like to go back to root meanings of words. And that word cross, it means to make fast to fix, to establish, of a quality of one who does not hesitate, does not waver. Fixed. See, there comes a point in my life where I had to decide whether Jesus would truly be my Lord or not. And I'm hoping that I have picked up my cross and I'm following him. But here's the thing about being fixed. You see, when I've decided to pick up my cross and follow Jesus, to be fixed without wavering, without hesitation, I've literally nailed myself to the cross with Jesus. What I'm trying to get at is once I've done this, once I've made that decision, there's no coming down anymore. I'm fixed, unmoving. One of my favorite authors is Oswald Chambers, and he says, if Jesus Christ is God, where's your trust in him? If he's not God, why are we so foolish as to uh, pretend to worship him? Where are you in your Christian walk? Are you ready to speak out, and, but when the time, when the moment comes, hardship comes, you back off? Are you fixed? Are you like that guy that said, I'm, you know, I, uh, I trust you. I know you can do it. It's easier to do it if I'm following you, trusting in you, but I'd rather do it myself. You know what the easiest way for a tightrope walker to bring somebody across? Somebody behind like that is kind of shaky and kind of knocks you around. But the best way for a tightrope walker to take somebody across is like I did with my eight-year-old daughter. And like that picture you saw of my daughter and my grandson on her shoulders when she's literally locked around, her legs are around my waist, even if she's holding on, 
In fact, that's even better. Because you see, then I'm in complete control. Where are you today? Are you hesitant, wavering? Are you ready to get up on and allow Jesus Christ to have complete control of your life? I hope that's where I'm at. And I'm sure you probably hope the very same thing. Father, I just thank you this morning that you are the eternal, powerful God of the universe. Jehovah God, we worship you this morning. And Father, I would pray that each one of us are taking that step to truly pick up our cross, to be fixed, unwavering, to follow you, to give you first place in our lives. And Father, if there be that one here this morning or several who haven't crossed that line, who not even have a relationship with you, haven't even turned into, uh, uh, received you as their Lord and Savior. This morning, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would do it. And here's what it is. Just within their heart, within your heart, all you need to do is say, Jesus, I realize I'm a sinner. I need you. Come into my heart today. I would pray that you do that. And Father, just by your Holy Spirit, fall on everyone here. Help us to be a step closer to you after this morning. Help us to cross that line into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, listen, if, uh, if you made that, said that prayer for the very first time this morning, and meant it with all your heart, perhaps you want to recommit your life to Jesus Christ this morning. Today is the day. Don't let it pass by. You need to tell somebody. Please do that. And I'm going to turn the microphone back over to Pastor Hutchison. Thank you for allowing me to share with you. God bless you all. Hey, give a little bit more than that, guys. Come on. Before we dismiss, I'll remind you that, uh, go ahead and stay standing if you would. We have Connection Coffee in this corner if you have any questions for our staff. If this is your first Sunday here, I'd love to meet you personally right here in this welcome corner. We're going to have some leaders up here to pray for you, particularly, I think, with the analogy that Tina led us in with trust. There's something you're really struggling with trusting God over. Get some prayer about that before you go today. Let's close the prayer. Father, we, just, we really want to be that man or that woman that just really does totally trust in you. Jesus, we want to be those who just really lean on you. Whatever that issue is right now, we're having trouble trusting you with, Lord. Would you just bring it to mind right now? And we could just right now fully say, okay, Lord, I'm trusting you again with that. I'm giving that back to you again. I'm leaning on you again for that. Believe in you for it. Just trust him now. Just give it completely to him. Lord, I pray this week we really walk, Lord, with you, trusting in you and everything that we do. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.